0: everybody, and welcome back to Bit About Crypto. I'm David James, the Job Whisperer. And uh, was it you who, who asked why uh, I call myself that? Was that you, David?
1: No, I believe uh, it was a moniker that you came up with after. Uh, oh, I made
0: it up myself. Yeah. yeah oh, yeah, okay. Yeah. I, no, I
1: think you no. used to go by that job guy.
0: Now, if I was making up my own moniker, I'd call myself like Elvis or Cool. <laughs> that that I mean, if I if you're okay. allowed to pick your own nickname, right? But you don't get to pick your own nickname, right? Uh, I think it came
1: about organically with the with our producer John. The Job
0: Whisperer. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, we were gonna do a uh, John wanted me to do a uh, reality TV show called The Job Whisperer. This was back in 2010. Oh yeah. 10. yeah. So, yeah, I guess. Guess that was John's idea. John. John Orlando. is because yeah, I, I I do what Caesar Milan does with dogs, just with people as it relates to jobs. That's uh, right. Help you know because Caesar yeah. Milan said he can speak to any dog about their issue, and I can speak to any person about their job. It just has to be in a whisper. So
1: uh, yeah, I, th- I think that's more metaphorical. But yeah, okay.
0: Well, I'm I'm a deep guy. Okay, <laughs> I'm deep, deep, deep in spiritual and emotional acuity. And totally ethereal, and get it, and hip. You, on the other hand, your nickname is Robo Recruiter, right? And that's yeah. Because you recruit and you convince candidates to take jobs with uh, the tool we call blunt force trauma. No, <laughs> no,
1: no, It's not true oh, at right. all. But so talk about they, what I it can't. Is I can't get any. I can't get anybody to take a job they don't want to take a job for. Well, so it's always going to be better for them. It's always going to be progressive. And at the end of the day, it's their decision. I just give them the, the pros and cons of why they should and why they sounds shouldn't.
0: Sounds like the way you talk to gals in college, that you, not me, uh, that are not interested in dating you and why they should.
1: Yeah, it sounds I, like you need to get your ears checked.
0: <laughs> you know, I don't appreciate that sarcasm. I would never be sarcastic with you. Anyhow, I'm yeah, David never. James, the job whisperer, and welcome to Bit About Crypto. And I'm here once again with my partner, and very, very loyal, and I'm really grateful for my partner, Dave Hampton, the Robo Recruiter. And the reason uh, he's the Robo Recruiter, it's kind of like the name I gave him, is because he's relentless. And it's not just that he's relentless in uh, recruiting, uh, it's just he's relentless in his ideation, he's relentless in his pursuit to be a better golf a, to be uh, a loyal father and give give his kids like the time that they need. The fact that he rows twelve thousand meters a day, he's just he's robo. He just if if it's an intention that's going to make him better or make him sharper, he's robo about it, and he's that way about recruiting. I'm nervous. Hey,
1: thank you. thank yeah. you. I appreciate that. Yeah, yeah. But yeah. well, that happens. Twelve thousand, little generous. More like six thousand. But you know, I'll I'll take twelve thousand. So you've been lying. No, I have no. Mente rosa. It, 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 again. Check your ears.
0: Yeah. So, like I said, David Hampton does eighteen thousand uh, <laughs> <laughs> rows a day. <laughs> I mean,
1: just, just to put it in perspective, because you know we're, we're Americans and we don't really measure things in the uh, metric system, right? sixteen Sixteen hundred nine meters is a mile. Okay. All right. So six thousand meters is roughly what three miles? Three, three. And three you do point. it every day. I do. I yeah. I do somewhere between five and six thousand meters a day.
0: Wow, I thought what I did every morning was, was good. I, people don't know about me. I get up at 2.30 in the morning, and I go na- I go naked into the ocean. I go naked yeah, it's into you know, the ocean.
1: It's called the bathroom.
0: I go naked in the ocean <laughs> because what happens is I just walk out to the lagoon when it's still dark, and I, I swim five miles. <laughs> uh, wait, uh, hold on a second. Hold on. You're right. I I wake up to pee. He's right. He's right. But it was good while it lasted. Anyhow, we are the uh, co-hosts of Bit About Crypto and Bit About Crypto. We bring in uh, amazing people who actually have a story and we talk about how they actually got into or have a take on crypto in some way. We also are the owners of Blockchain Recruiters, and uh, Blockchain Recruiters is the only recruitment firm on planet Earth that recruits worldwide. And I don't mean that used to be yeah Tokyo, Milan, Paris. That was something you would just say, but we really mean it now because the blockchain space there are resources and projects that are worldwide. We've got we've got projects
1: no borders.
0: Yeah, well, we I mean we've got clients in uh, New Zealand. We've got uh, clients in Spain. We got clients in Dubai, of course, Canada and the United States. Yep. And, and not one of the positions that we actually have to fill, not one that says, yeah, we need someone like local to Southern California so they can show up for meetings. Not one. No one. It's the new way. So if you are someone uh, who's interested in a job in crypto or you know that you or, or more importantly, if you know that you want to be in crypto or you have to be in blockchain technology, NFT somehow, and you want to repurpose yourself, get a hold of me. So uh, you can find me at David J at blockchainrecruiters.net. Make sure you use net. Otherwise, you won't be caught in my net. Or you can get me on uh, Twitter, and I'm at the BTC Recruiter. All right? Now, if you, want, if you, if you are someone who needs projects, you can, I'm uh, n- sorry, who needs people for your projects, which are a lot lately. Uh, then you need to get a hold of the Robo Recruiter. I'll let him tell you all about that.
1: Yeah, you can get me at uh, at uh, BC Robo Recruiter or you can email me at Dave Hampton, excuse me, Dave at blockchainrecruiters.net or you can call me on my office line uh,
0: 760-513-6151. So, um anyows, that's... We uh, were learning a lot. So when I first... Uh, when we first met in 2014, was it 2014? When we first yeah. met in yeah. like February of 2014, January, whatever it was. It
1: was we'd spoken January. We, uh, yeah. And was, I and I great. and
0: I said I said to you, hey, do you know anything about Bitcoin? Your answer was no. Right, and we weren't all that close, right? Because I, I trained you, and I was like, you know, your your supervisor. Yeah, you're
1: on, you're pretty stiff-armed about getting close to people. And you said it's because. Uh, uh, you said, you said you need to. Uh, what did you say?
0: I'm going to paraphrase.
1: You said you don't get close because you, you don't want to have to be hurt. You don't you don't feel hurt when they leave.
0: Yeah. And so what I said is is I I I, I keep a, a very thick boundary for two reasons. One is I don't want it to be perceived that I'm playing favorites, and two is that I I want to be um, <clears throat> logical and instinctual when it comes time to maybe fire you. Fire yeah. one, right? You and, be impartial. And yeah, I, I had to be impartial, and uh, I, I, I never really once thought I was going to fire you. I mean, there are other people I go, yeah, I think I'm probably going to fire this guy, but you, you never behaved in such a way that I'm going, hey, I've got my guy on this radar, and I mean, I, I wanted to fire you. I mean, in so many ways, <laughs> I was, I, I actually was begging the boss, can I please? Please fire Hampton. And he
1: said... I couldn't afford to get fired. That's no, no, thing. that's got nothing to do with it.
0: That's got nothing to do with it. He says, he says, he says why, why do you want to fire the rookie of the year and the recruiter of the year? I said, just on principle, just to set it. He, he wants to come into my
1: office and asking questions about how to be a better recruiter. Yeah. I mean, God forbid, he yeah. wants to.
0: So, you know what? Speaking of... Yeah. So, but you didn't know anything about Bitcoin. You didn't know anything about recruiting, right? And what it, And both are a mentorship business. Both you, you yeah. need you need to be under, and I don't I don't profess to be great at a lot of things, but I'm really really naturally God gifted when it comes to recruiting and just seeing clearly, you know, in an alien way what has to come next and what we should and shouldn't do. That doesn't always mean I make the right decisions because I'm human, but and I've watched you become a great recruiter and in a lot of ways better than me. And I don't know if it's just the age and the force that you have, but. I it's it's almost like I'm to the point if I was like at the age I started, I wish I would have come work for you now. And I just it's maybe I'm going to be asking for a loan because I'm giving you all these compliments. <laughs> 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 right. Um, but it also but back to the the Bitcoin thing. Right. You didn't know anything about it. And then in 2017, when we actually uh, were still partners, you uh, you literally. um you watch me. I was heavy on the Bitcoin, and I was I was into this thing. And you you, you had a healthy like respect, like you do to a flame. It's like okay, I'm watching. I'm, I'll get close enough to get warm, and then you didn't get really orange pilled until like I think 2019, right? And then about then 2019, you yeah. said okay when it was about seven thousand. Yeah, yeah, about exactly what it was. And to the to the point of that, the reason we're talking about you as a recruiter and mentorship business. And Bitcoin. Our 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 next guest, uh, who Steve uh, Stephen Doley. Stephen
1: Stephen Doley.
0: Yeah, yeah. So the P H throws me up. Sorry yeah, it's not
1: that. it's not like Stephen Curry. It's Stephen. So oh. it's, Stephen. Okay, you,
0: now because of you, not only are we going to start the show over, but you're not going to be called. So, Stephen Dolly was a recruiter. Play the play, he, Travis, he play, play, his, play the music he, again. He came up. Welcome to Bit About Crypto. All right? yeah. <laughs> <laughs> cut, cut off Hampton's mic. Yeah. Anyhow, hey, with no further ado. <laughs> not surprising. I, 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 come on in. Come on in. Come on, Stephen. Stephen Dolly. Come on. Hey, I'm here. I'm here. Hey, and yeah. I'm th- sorry th- because I Thank you for enduring that. Yeah, hey, and also, okay. thanks for coming on the show. We, we're out of time. So, <laughs> let's. That's our sponsor. <laughs> so anyhow, yeah. Hey, hey, welcome to Bit About Crypto. Thank you so much, uh, just for for affording yourself the time to be on our show. Um, Absolutely. I
2: appreciate the time and I'm glad to be here and uh, chat about, you know, one of my loves.
0: Yeah. So before we get into the, the, the recruiting, the crypto and the NFT part of your life, do you have a, a poker past as well as some of our other guests?
2: Yeah. Um, you know, I grew up you know, kind of fallen in love with the game of poker. Um, so, you know, I, I hate to age myself. I'm 38, so I grew up right when kind of poker boomed and the online sites came around. So it was a natural game for me to kind of jump into and always was a risk taker. So, you know, got in and, and, you know, played on, unfortunately, some of the sites that got rugged and all that fun stuff. But um, through friendships, really dove in. So, you know, friends with several really successful poker players, which kind of got me really interested. I never would call myself a professional poker player, but I was a successful hobbyist. Um, and I've always been one to try to surround myself with uh, people that are smarter than me and found uh, kind of a circle in Missouri of poker players. Um, we have a really good scene here. Um, So, kind of dived in while owning my own business and being able to afford to play and have some free time, um, you know, really dived into poker. What kind of business? What kind of business did you have? So, for 11 years here in St. Louis, I had an advertising company that put ads in urinals all throughout St. Louis. So, I had bars, restaurants, movie theaters.
0: Stop Um, talking. (laughs) <laughs> did you just say to me on my podcast that you had a advertising business that would advertise inside urinals?
2: Like, yeah, you'd be going to the bathroom and there'd be a billboard right in front of you that was advertising somebody's business. And
0: oh, uh, really, really uh, well. above the urinal, exactly.
2: above urinal. When you were thinking <laughs>
0: inside the urinal, I thought you were like like the pads. Right. <laughs> like, we ventured there a couple times.
2: Yeah. But, uh, you know, typically when you're at the urinal, you're staring straight forward anyways, and we had you captive for, <laughs> like, for 45 seconds. No, no, for
0: me, for, for me at my age, you got me for six and a half minutes. So. <laughs> <laughs>
2: uh, which is long enough to get some great ads across. Yeah. And I've uh, had some great partners. Um, you know, I had a divorce lawyer who was with me for all 11 years who loved being able to separate the message sexacy. um, You know, it was really the advantage of the business. I was the only advertiser and marketer that could really truly separate the message men and women see. So, you know, we had a cool ad for the women to see and one for the men to see and, you know, gave us a lot of advantages and marketing to be able to, you know, tailor to the right person. You know
0: something I'm, I'm going to say this and I'm going to say it out loud to you, but you've probably been in more toilets than anybody I've ever met.
2: (laughs) There is a very strong chance of that. Uh, you know, at the peak, I had about 100 plus locations and the largest privately owned movie theater um, company that was out of St. Louis. So yeah, we were, we were busy. Um, you know, I got thankfully to a point where I paid somebody to do that after some time um, and go change that monthly. But yeah, it was, it was definitely, you know, straight out of college, started a business, did it for 11 years and, you know, loved it all. And then you know, let's, yeah.
0: let's talk about your life as a business owner and the urinals, right? Yeah. Were you able like to make a living, buy a house, start a family before? Yeah. Were you able to talk about that? Yeah.
2: So, I mean, when you think about it, I was selling paper. So, you know, I had a business account at Kinko's and was literally printing, you know, ads that, you know, most of the time they would create, sometimes I'd outsource and create the ads for people. But, you know, literally I was selling paper. So uh, my costs were super cheap and I had, you know, contracts with all these locations where they just got, uh, you know, percent of whatever I sold into their locations. So it was a really simple business plan. You know, my only upfront cost was the frames to put them up, which, you know, wasn't that expensive when you're buying in bulk. Um, and then it was, you know, if it worked, they stuck with me. I mean, I had people that, you know, were with me for 10 plus years. They liked it. We changed out the ads once a month and you know, I got to where it was pretty self-sufficient of a business. Um, you never would think you could make a living off of it, but um, you know, like men's haircuts places love me. Um, you know, the movie theaters is where I made most of the money because uh, they actually sold more tickets in St. Louis than the Blues, Rams, and Cardinals combined over five million. So just being able to sell those impressions. Um, you know, it was a no brainer, and I was affordable. You know, so, for a thousand bucks uh, so, a so, month. So,
0: so, so I'm at the urinal in the movie theater in St. Louis, my favorite place, by the way. I like the one on the left because that's the good flush. But anyhow, I'm going to. Do <laughs> um, and I'm looking at your urinal advertising. How do you mon- How do we know that the purchase or the call to action that I spend comes from your efforts and not say a radio jingle?
2: So you know for like restaurants that were close to um you know movie theaters we do like promotions bring in your ticket stub and get you know a free advertiser with a twenty dollar purchase um and then typically you know most of my advertisers would ask their customers you know if somebody came to the divorce lawyer and he said, you know where'd you hear about me it's we're pretty memorable and people would say yeah so <laughs> yeah so are are there, are,
0: are there i I could see how a divorce lawyer or someone like represents dads would be good at the urinal of a bar right yeah i, I just i i sorry dads i'm just keeping it real i just think that that what, what else were some of your more successful uh uh
2: you know it, it was a wide spectrum um i was really surprised with some of them that worked really really well i mean car dealerships loved us um you know it was we were affordable. I mean, that was my main advantage. Um, you know, for a thousand dollars a month, I could put you in a in hundred plus locations throughout St. Louis and get you, you know, just a ton of impressions. And you know, most people aren't familiar with marketing, but you know, when you get into the grand scope of you know cost per thousand, um, you know, it's it's expensive out there. And we were really affordable, and it worked. So um, you know, everything from the ideal images, the spas for women. The, you know, men's haircuts, sports clips, you know, the knockout type locations did really well with us.
0: What's the, um, what's then, the benefit of uh, to, to the bar? Why does the bar say, sure, you can put it in? Why does the bar? Oh, I, give
2: them, I, give, I give them a little cut. So usually it was about 10 percent of whatever I sold in. So it's free money, you know, It was optimizing space they had that um, wasn't being used. And when you walk into an establishment, you know, even a successful bar, the owner is sometimes lucky to make 60 grand a year and they bust their ass. So, uh, you know, when you can offer to give them a little extra money that they do nothing for, it's a pretty easy sell.
0: Well, it's funny because the way you're talking, right? If I was like talking to you, if I was hiring and training a recruiter, you naturally have that thing. It's it's like, do do you golf at all? Have you ever golfed? I have, yeah. Okay, so you can teach swing, you can teach everything, but what you can't teach is you can't teach feel. You can't teach, and, and if you lack feel, you're always going to be you know, sculling that twenty yard shot over the green with your wedge. You just, it's just how it is. or you are going to put it too far? Yeah, and I
2: think that's what drove me into poker a little bit too. You know, the feel and making right decisions.
0: Yeah. So let's talk. We're gonna, but but I want to talk about just recruiting, right? You intuitively yeah. say, "What these people need candidates." And I can find these candidates here. So intuitively, I can make this matching right. You you already had that dot connecting ability in your head, which brings us to the next thing. So I'm assuming maybe the recession of 2008. So the funny
2: story, well, not funny, I guess, unfortunate series of unfortunate events. I actually had um, my company ready to sell and was working with um, you know just getting the contracts and everything. Um, together and and organized to do a clear sale. Well, what ended up happening is that largest privately owned movie theater company um, decided to not be the largest privately owned (laughs) movie theater company anymore and sold. AMC? uh, uh, They sold to Mark T. Theaters, which was, um, you know, another chain. Uh, And basically they didn't love my contract because it was pretty nice for me. Um, So I kind of lost one of the biggest assets of the company and Um, you know, that's kind of what drove me into recruiting is I was getting married, um, knew I needed to get something a little more stable. And one thing I loved about my company is I loved hiring people to do my sales and, um, you know, it's, it's an interesting sale, but, um, you know, I had a lot of success with college students and helping build their resume and having them, you know, kind of cold Mm -hmm. call businesses and do sales and and make a commission to where that kind of transitioned me to where once I got my company pretty stable, I actually did some consulting, recruiting work for local companies in St. Louis. Loved that, and then it was just kind of a smooth transition once once you know I wasn't able to sell my business and it just wasn't going to make the money.
0: Was that, that back when college students needed to work?
2: Before that
0: was. I was. <laughs> oh, did I just that say that? Oh, <laughs> did I just say Man. that out loud?
1: I think they've all needed to work. It's just well, a matter of finding the ones who will. Well,
0: hold on a second. Need is a very interesting word. And I think in the last 18 to 24 months, I don't think college students have needed to work because the money hey,
1: no, is granted a via
0: show. mana from the sky. There's no politics about it. Yeah, money has come mana from the sky. <clears throat> anyhow, okay, I digress. So, anyhow, go on. Thank you. Yeah, so
2: uh, it got me into recruiting. Um, I ended up being a talent manager for uh, one of the largest newborn photography companies that was based out of St. Louis. Um, and then uh, ended up getting into recruiting for a distribution company here in St. Louis as well before kind of deciding and my entrepreneur spirit kind of came back and thankfully with the success I did have in the crypto realm, um, you know, this year was able to kind of uh, hang up the cleats from the corporate world and get back into, you know, Neon Dream Studio, which, you know, I co-founded and is in the whole uh, NFT space.
0: Although we're going to unpack just a little bit more. So tell me about you growing up, what kind of family you're from, uh, brothers, sisters, what your mom and dad do.
2: Yeah, so uh, I, I came from a, a family here in St. Louis. My dad was in the commercial um, you know, banking industry, and my mom was actually in human resources. So I think that's where some of that fell back, seeing her kind of work in that industry. So it was kind of a natural thing that I kind of picked up on. Um, Just me and my sister Mindy uh, grew up in St. Louis. You know, uh, going to you know, most people probably don't know, but like Pattonville Parkway North. uh, When you're in St. Louis, that's the question everybody asks. You know, what high school and where did you go to school? Uh, But uh, yeah, so good family. um, You know, they divorced. uh, You know, later in my life, and kind of each you know moved on in their own direction. But yeah, great upbringing, and you know, I think they did well in me up for success Success. Interesting.
0: all right so uh when you get into human resources it says you worked at workplace partners was that the new photo place no that was the consulting work i kind
2: of did on the side um, where i did work for some small businesses here in st louis that um, basically my niche for that company was i partnered with small business owners who didn't have the need for a full-time hr person but at the time were too busy to actually handle the recruiting process so I'd meet with that small business owner, kind of figure out their needs. And I'd handle everything from them, from posting the jobs, doing initial interviews. And basically, my role was to set them up with three or four strong candidates so they can just do that final interview, offer a job, and save them a
0: lot of time and money. Interesting. So, uh, and then you left that, you, you stopped doing that, and you, the last, like, corporate gig you had was with uh, Bunzy.
2: Bunzel, yeah. That uh, was a- Bunzel. Large- Okay. Yeah, and that was a large distribution company, um, you know, huge company, uh, like 13 billion plus in sales, you know, hundreds of uh, warehouses across the globe. Um, so I was doing recruiting for, uh, you know, a lot of uh, distribution jobs. So, you know, warehouse um, work really was a big need um, since, you know, especially everything that's gone on with COVID in the job market. So, you know, I was spending, you know, full-time hours Trying to keep our uh, you know warehouses that needed help staffed up um, by basically kind of doing a similar thing at Workplace Partners, but we'd uh, you know we'd call them hotspots, and when it got a, a location got to where you know they were in a little bit of desperate need, we'd kind of take it off the warehouse management team, um, own the recruiting process, and just keep get people in the door so they can do the final interview. Because as you guys know, if you don't reach out to candidates quickly in this market, you lose them. And they were finding that you know. Uh, they were busy running warehouses and sometimes if you wait a week to look at those applicants the best ones are already gone so they brought in our team to kind of own that and make their life a lot easier
0: so um, how did crypto find you so
2: crypto found me um thanks to black friday with uh, poker uh you know Basically, everybody got forced to play on, you know, a site called America's Card Room, um, and their main, you know, way to put money on and offline was Bitcoin. So, um, kind of forced as I enjoyed playing what, the game. What year
0: was this? Oh, man. I, I'm pretty. I mean, I know Black Friday, right? It was. That's
2: got to be 12, 13 years ago now. I mean, yeah, time the, flies. It was like 2011,
0: I think it was, right?
2: Was it? Was yeah, the ten-year anniversary.
0: So that happened. And then,
2: you know, a couple of the sites that survived were ones not based in the U.S. Um, this one specifically was out of Costa Rica and they tailored to American players and, you know, let people play with Bitcoin. So, um, you know, to be able to deposit and then cash out, you know, my my hand was a little bit forced. Um, yeah, It
0: was tax day. It was Friday, April 15th, 2011. Yeah, because yep. I I, so. I I had a, a huge amount of money in Poker Stars. Yeah, right? yeah, and you know you you know who was smart about this it was Party Poker. Party Poker got out of the United States. They saw the writing on the wall. They said, yeah, and and the reason George George Bush uh, not George 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 Bush started it is because I I, I said this on a, a, another podcast that they thought that the Al Qaeda was using it to actually bring money from Karachi. To you know, six guys uh, in an apartment in Brooklyn, right? Where they they would just literally have to sh- put twenty dollars in, like literally Western Union twenty dollars to the account. Then they go. I on- mean, my
2: first deposit to poker stars was via Western Union. You know, I was an eighteen-year-old kid, and you know, went to a local Western Union, you know, place and sent a hundred bucks to be able to play the first time. The, the, you know, when I was probably eighteen years old.
0: Let me ask you a question. So you are you telling me that you have actually used your name, your legal name, to Western Union Money to PokerStars? Yes or no? Yes. Okay. Yes. I, I have too. And let me just tell you something. When's the last time you've tried to actually Western Union under your name?
2: I couldn't tell you. Probably
0: that one. <laughs> let, me, let, me, let me tell you something. I got a, I got a surprise for you. They part part of the Western Union's way of actually settling with the Justice Department over all that money laundering stuff was anybody who actually ever sent anybody to Poker Stars or Party Poker or Poker Trap or whatever it is. You you my friend like me are ineligible for actually making a Western Union transfer for life. You are barred. Oh
2: wow, uh, I didn't know that. But you want you <laughs> want to
0: know something? I don't care. You it wanna doesn't know, matter. You want to know anymore. why? Because Bitcoin. That's why. It Doesn't matter. Uh, yeah, Western <laughs> Union. Strike. I, I actually wear that as a, of, a, a badge of honor, but you know, I just I wanted to share that to you. Yeah, you're,
2: you're making me want to go test it and just try to send a friend. 20 yeah. bucks. no, no, to see what
1: send happens. it to me. Well, no, no, so send it to me. <laughs> <Send> it to, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I, I I'm not barred, so I can actually. No, receive. no, no,
0: you are because you're associated now with two, not one, yep. but two of us. So not by name. <laughs> 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 that, that's right. So okay, so so that so you start. So 2011, that's even before I got into Bitcoin, right? I got Bitcoin like 2014. Yeah, and it was
2: probably 2014, the first time I used transactions. Um, it was the, you know, I played on Seals with Clubs, which was a, a Bitcoin poker site that was around for a little bit before the feds didn't love it and shut that down. Um, but that was a pure Bitcoin poker site that I played on a little bit as well. Um, and, you know, just started to kind of just dive into the whole crypto and realize that it it really is revolutionary and that, you know, with everything I was seeing with the deflation of the dollar and, um, you know, the printing of money that regardless of party is happening, you know, the whole idea of a currency based on what the last person paid that has a limited supply that really is depreciating in its own right, just from people. Um, you hear about stories of people losing a million Bitcoin, in a, you know, and on a hard drive in a dumpster somewhere, you know, millions of dollars.
0: Yeah, well, not um, a million Bitcoin, but a yeah, mi- not a million Bitcoin. No, no, but there there, there, there is a guy. I think he's in Holland. And what happens is he had what is the equivalent of five hundred million dollars worth of Bitcoin, right? So it's about a thousand, right? I think it's a little bit more because it was like five hundred million back then. And literally, he, he has. He has paid money for like you know, like a sonar scanner to find the part of the dump on where yeah. he thinks the hard drive is, <laughs> right? Because he had it on two hard drives. Did you, did you know the story, David? No. Yeah, He had it on two hard drives. He says, the a, hard drive A has the Bitcoin, hard drive B, actually, I don't need any more. Well, somehow, girlfriend, somebody through... The Bitcoin drive away and kept the one that he didn't need. So he has lobbied – I it's like the Netherlands or the Dutch government or the Norwegian government. Look, I will give the government $250 million, <laughs> okay, on this treasure hunt. I mean forget forget going to like the the South Atlantic Ocean looking for, for ships that were carrying gold to the Caribbean. Forget those treasure hunts. <laughs> this, this is a much – but I, I don't think he's – having much luck.
2: Yeah, he has not been successful, but I mean, if I had that much money that I thought was in a dumpster, I would probably be uh, offering percent to people no, to no, be he, digging.
0: He, well. No, he, he's <laughs> probably like, he, he he digs at night, right? His, his nails are, he went from like having a manicure and like being ran around in a rolls to now he's like, his teeth are bad and he's like digging at night. I know it's here somewhere, right? He's obsessed. He's totally gone. I, I, I'm i not saying that's really happening, but I could see how that could happen.
2: I just am glad I'm not in that predicament.
0: <laughs> just say that. Yeah, you know, you no, know, it, it, it's it's kind of a funny thing. I was having a conversation with, with somebody else. We were talking about backup phrases, right? And the question was posed, what if you all of a sudden found a backup phrase, just a random backward phrase? Would you like log in and take the coins? And I, I was tempted, at first, I was tempted to say yes. I mean, my, my I, you know, my first reaction but then karmically, I said, yeah, I've got a couple of little backup phrases myself, if that makes any sense. And karmically, I just said, yeah, I don't, I don't think I can do it. I guess what I'm trying to say from a very metaphysical standpoint is that if you're supposed to have crypto, you will. And if you're not, you're not. And that all, all comes down to consciousness, right? Not everybody who's going to actually buy crypto is going to be rich because they don't have the consciousness. Because rich doesn't necessarily mean possessing money. Right, And I know you know exactly what I'm talking about because you know, you ventured on this this new thing, your new project, with your partner Dutch, right? Yeah,
2: and yeah. And
0: so, so, but before I come to, what's your take on the, the passphrase thing? <laughs> what's, what's your well, truth of answer?
2: I've almost been tested with that before because when I go and enter manually my Cardano wallet when I get to like 12 words and one of my words is like half, it's a word, and I can hit enter and then it goes to a wallet that's not mine. And when I first entered that, I was like, oh man, what's gonna be on here? Luckily there was nothing, but my mind definitely got spinning of whose wallet is this and how and me entering my you know uh seed could that possibly come up. But
0: oh man, it would be Well, a hold tough on a thing. second. If that's even possible, <laughs> if that's even possible, I don't know what wallet that is, but if that's even possible, I don't want anything to do with that wallet.
2: Yeah, no, I mean, and it was just a Cardano, you know, make a mnemonic phrase, wallet. And oh, where you, could, or or
0: you to make your own?
2: Yeah, yeah, To make your
0: own? Oh, no, so, thank you.
2: Yeah, so, um, but yeah, I mean, it's it's such a hard thing. I mean, morally, I, I'd want to say I wouldn't, but, you know, with the blockchain, not being able to find the owner anyways, it's like, it's a hard conundrum because it's like, well, what if this just is never
0: used? Like, yeah, but it, it can change my family's but, life. But it also, you know, have have I like fled government tyranny, and am I like in some South American country just living off fruit off trees? Right. So it all has to do with circum. It's real easy for me to like to to, to make a judgment from on high. Yeah, of course I would. I would. I think I would what really I
2: do it. is I try to first find out whose wallet it was, and if it could be proven, then I would. Try to help them out, but if it came to where a year of me searching, it would be mine. Yeah, sorry. Well, it, that, <laughs> that,
0: that, that's a lot of work for thirty dollars worth of uh, Cardano. But anyhow, <laughs> right. I digress. So, so let's let's talk about. All right, so you talked to me about how you found Bitcoin through you know the poker site, and so it must have been like five ten bucks when you were getting it.
2: Yeah, I think my first cash out from America's card room was at like 625. Um, and then Bitcoin went back down to like 200. Um, it was kind of that time frame, And then, you know, oh, kind of made Oh
0: yeah, you direction. said 2014, I'm thinking 2011. Yeah. My bad. Yeah. Yeah, right. Yeah, okay. so
2: it was like 625. And then it, in the next few months, I think it flipped down to like the 200, right around 200. And then it kind of started its moon mission past a thousand. So that was kind of the first, the first cash out on my Coinbase account was, um, yeah, Bitcoin was $625. Um, that's where I kind of got in. And then, you know, obviously, I think everybody's progression is just looking what other, you know, cryptocurrencies are out there. Um, so I started, um, you know, playing around on Binance and, and you know, um, some of the other sites, some that aren't even in existence anymore, like Cryptopia, where I'm still dealing with trying to get a claim of some of the money that was hacked off there back. Uh, but just, kind of dived into the whole, uh, for lack of a better word, uh, shit coins Um, and, uh, you know, traded successfully, did pretty well, um, you know, um, playing that game. And then, um, you know, in January of this year uh, is when I kind of dived into, uh, you know, I was somewhat early to NBA Top Shot, you know, entering around January 17th, um, which was before the boom. You know, I I got into NBA Top Shot when you could actually buy packs and not have the queue and not the frustration of you know waiting forever to get one pack for nine dollars so got in like at the perfect time there uh, made some money and then kind of dive full steam into nfts um minted you know speaking of that cardano wallet i minted like space buds which is the you know blue chip on cardano for nfts uh cardano bits had some really good success right off the bat there and then um you know Dutch, who you mentioned before, who's my business partner, kind of was like, you got to check out these board apes on, um, you know, Ethereum, the floors point two, and you know, I looked at them, and uh, I trust Dutch uh, when it comes to these kind of things, yeah. and I, and I, I, I bet, I uh, he,
0: he, bet, he's, so, he's so he's so smart. Day. When he was when he was on our show last week, he he's so, he's he's so smart that I really questioned my intelligence. I said, you know what, I uh, I have so much to learn. I mean, yeah, that's just
2: one of the smartest people, um, you know, I've ever met in my life. And when he's in the room, he's typically going to be the smartest guy. Um, so when he tells me something, I listen, um, he may kill me for saying this, but you know, he, they're black suit apes, which there's only like 40 something of in the collection of, and one of the premier ones, they actually did an auction of them at Christie's. He, he literally told me I'd give, uh, you know, my left not to buy one of these. So I just bought it. I was like, okay, that's enough. If you're willing to do that, I'll buy one. So, you know, my first board eight purchase when the floor was 0.2 was a 2.5 Ethereum, um, you know, rare, uh, gold suit or not gold suit, black suit eight. There was a death bot, um, you know, the captain hat and all that, and then bought three or four as well that same day and so, kind of just peeped into there.
0: At so, the right time. so, so, uh, be- before we, uh, we go to that. Let's just talk about your relationship with cryptocurrency and the currency portion of it, not the NFT portion of it, right? So you, you're, you're doing Bitcoin in 2014. You're cashing out. What are you doing with the Bitcoin? Are, are you saving it? Are you turning to fiat? Just... And, and and then talk about other coins you saw. I'm I'm interested in the cryptocurrency. <laughs> I
2: bought this for a bitcoin, this
0: laptop <laughs> that what? I cast out well, for the, poker. that's <laughs> the nicest that six, is one expensive. Wow, laptop. no, no, no. That, those what? types of laptops are going for sixty thousand and rising. And rising. No, laptops appreciate, just like boxes of popcorn and t shirts. My wife said to me and cars. <laughs> my wife said to me in 2013, she says, uh, Hey, you have that Bitcoin stuff, right? I said, "Yeah." She said I said, "Why?" She says because I want to buy three t-shirts and <laughs> and they take Bitcoin. And I went, "Okay, how much do they want?" They said, "Well, it'll be $175," right? Which would be in uh half a Bitcoin. Half a Bitcoin at the time. Did you do it? No. All right, but I'm still just thinking about you know having three ten thousand dollar T-shirts. I'm just uh that's at today's prices. So anyhow, okay. So yeah. you, you you bought the laptop. So yeah, basically you just thought that Bitcoin grew on trees, and then tell tell me tell me the part of your life where it actually you started t- thinking about it's, it. It's store value. Versus. The store value, Yeah, that part of it.
2: So. I don't know if I ever thought of it as really a store of value, but just an incredible investment opportunity and saw the new coins and the insane returns that some of them had. Uh, so I hate to say, but I never stored the value. I was just trading when it came to it um, and looking for new opportunities and really jumping around with a lot of transactions that you know have been really fun for tax purposes. Um, but I hate to say that I never feel like I just held it as a store value. I always had it moving and and investing in new things. So, you know, buying Link when it was, you know, 17 cents, um, you know, things like that on Binance, um, you know, unfortunately, I have a history of buying and then flipping out of things a little bit too early. Um, So I don't have a ton of Link left, but, um, you know, now it's 30 plus a coin, but, you know, just jumping from ship to ship and kind of, um, You know, the best way to say it is, I think my success is owed a lot to um, crypto Twitter and finding the right influencers and being able to act on it quickly. You know, I've been working from home before it became the new in thing um, with owning my own business to where I've been able to be there to see things when they're first mentioned and then act quickly. And I feel like that's an undervalued uh, thing to be successful in this space is being. You know, literally at your computer 24 seven with, you know, my treasure and ready to trade on Uniswap and do what I need to make money. So, uh, you know, I think that really is what I followed and how I was successful is just looking for the trend and jumping in and out um, before
0: the public. Okay. <laughs> That's awesome. So, uh, can you give me an example of how you've had some diamond hands?
2: Oh, man. I can give even better examples of what I've had paper hands. But... <laughs> okay.
0: Okay. No, 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 Wet toilet paper hands?
2: <laughs> uh, yeah. I mean, I tell everybody, if you want to make a lot of money, follow what I do, but never sell. Because, um, you know, I've, like I said, I locked in gains and move on to what I think is the next thing. But if you look back at, you know, and everything on the blockchains public. So if you look at, you know, my St. Louis dot ETH address, you can see all these transactions. But um, it's. I mean, probably my biggest one was March 24th. I bought 35 billion SHIB for one ETH, about $2,200. And at the peak, if I sold the top, it would have been $3 million US, oh, wow. which was just this year. Um, I sold it for like a 10X, which I thought was a huge home run. Um, but I obviously underestimated SHIB and, and the meanness of it um, because... You know, I literally, for one, he got, you know, 35 billion chip, which it, today is still I one it, it's,
0: that It's funny that you say this because there, there's a uh, a podcast uh, mentor called The Modern Investor. I listen to him every morning. I think David does, too. He puts it and he's, he's no hype. He doesn't pitch coins. He just talks about what's going on. I've learned so much about crypto from him, just conceptually thinking about what's going on because he just aggregates news. And he filters what's real and what's not, and I remember I hear him talking about Dogecoin, and I watch Doge, 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 Doge. I, I've never touched Doge, and I remember it was right—I think right when COVID started, call it May of 2020. He says, "Hey, there's this whole Shibu Inu thing," and I literally, literally said, "I'm buying a thousand dollars of Shibo today, right?" But for me, right, I you had you had to buy it on Coinbase, uh, not Coinbase. Uh, sorry, sorry. Uh, uh, uh,
2: Uniswap probably? No, no,
0: no, no, no. It wasn't, you know, you, I, you, I didn't have a MetaMask back then. It was I just, uh, you, you, Binance, you had to buy it on Binance, okay. right? And I couldn't get an account. I tried to get an account I, and I think it's a year and a half later and I'm still waiting for uh, compliance to call me back, right? I, I, yeah, I, they
2: they had an interesting thing where they went from Binance to Binance.us to where, you know, I had to, Get everything out of my Binance account. And then when they opened Binance US, they were really regulatory, like Coinbase, and you know, yeah. all the stuff I was trading, I couldn't even hold it. Yeah, it wasn't
0: even that. It so, was before Binance US. It was I, yeah. I was trying to get on Binance yeah. and it's just like, hey, upload your 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 docs. Mm-hmm. Hey, we don't have your docs. Upload your docs. I can't get any customer support or anything like that. And I just said, you know, it's just not meant to be. But that that thousand dollars would have been over a hundred million. I would have made a hundred million dollars. A hundred million. And-
2: and it's crazy cuz a lot of people don't realize that but there's these opportunities that come up all the time to make life-changing yeah. money. I mean, you know, the shib literally was March of this year. So, but, you know, but, one but, trade for 2200 bucks and you know, could make you a millionaire. But there's
0: no way I would have let it ride to 100 million. Exactly. I know me, right? I mean, <laughs> I, I, for you know for 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 the for the for, yeah, for the price it was but what I'm trying to say is, but to be honest with you, 100, 100 million at the at the high water mark, you know, uh, around like October of of this year, right? But now, right where we are is it would be 50 million. I would have lost half of it,
2: right? <laughs> You'd right. survive. Right,
0: but what, but what I'm saying is that's, that's that. So, and I'm also, a year ago, okay, so, you know, we've been in the blockchain space. I said to David, we have to like fire all of our construction clients. And just start in the the uh, the blockchain space. We had no clients, we and we just started aggregating candidates. And it, uh, talk about a leap of faith, right? And um, we actually did that. And a year ago, nobody was talking about NFTs. All our clients, everyone we were looking for, they were actually doing some type of blockchain project, mm-hmm. right? M- maybe yeah. an More NFT in, yeah. in the respect of like like Super World. Right, where they're gonna do an NFT of the whole world or anything like that. But this whole NFT, like apes and all this other kind of stuff, that was just not not even in the sphere of consciousness. Nobody was talking about the NFTs, right? People wasn't none of none of this was happening. It's just, and the funny thing about it is, is, what's the first thing I learned? Right, I'm 57. What's the first thing I learned? Make money. All right, the next thing I learned is I started getting debased or the inflation going, well, get gold or something, all right, or, or get stocks or something deflationary, right? And then when I found Bitcoin, I go, this is the alpha and the omega. Nothing is ever going to pass Bitcoin, Right. But possibly these NFTs. I mean, all, the only thing that Bitcoin is is it's the largest financial network on the world. Like, like Amazon is the largest distribution retail to your home in the world. Just like Google is the largest information uh, disseminator and gatherer in the world. The only difference is, is those things are popular. Bitcoin is not yet popular, but it's dominant, right? And so possibly there are going to be some NFTs. That, like like let's say that everybody want that you owned like the the jesus christ on the car cross nft virtually everybody knows who that dude is right not everybody knows who kobe Bryant is in the watch right but so all of a sudden that 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 coin or the, the, that nft or, or the portions of the contracts thereof could be like yeah i bought dubai right i mean i'm just i'm just saying and I I want you to speak in that quantum leap because very rarely can I speak about someone who's got a relationship with Bitcoin. And I know at one time you saw Bitcoin being as the end of all things. And now you're clearly you're not in a Bitcoin oriented business. You're in an NFT business. Sorry, sorry that took so long.
2: Yeah, no. And, um, you know, I've definitely went from being a, a Bitcoin you know, Maxi to now I'm all in on Ethereum. I mean, my Bitcoin holdings are really low. And I think the smart contract aspect that you see is the basis of this NFTs is gonna be the future. And people, whether they realize it or not in the next few years are gonna be involved in NFTs because, you know, I think that value of the smart contract that's on the Ethereum network is gonna start touching everything that is ancient and should have changed already. Like, I just bought a car. It's the worst process ever. That should be an NFT where you purchase it and they deliver it to your home. Like, get rid of the title, get rid of the DMV. Everybody hates that. It's just a money-making thing for the state. Like, that should be an NFT transaction. Every house should be on the blockchain. You should be able to buy a house without paying 5% to an agent to literally do a little bit of paperwork. So I think NFTs is the first step into that. Once people realize how smart contracts work and that it's it's more than just a JPEG you're buying, um, but you're buying that place on the blockchain, I think I think it's going to just continue to explode. So I mean, I am 95% into you know chains that have NFTs and smart contracts, and you know really think it's the way. And 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 as you were saying, like. One thing that irks me is like people saying they're like an expert CPA in NFTs. It's like nobody's an expert in this yet. Like nobody's had to do taxes on insane gains from NFT until this year um, because the amount of people that really made a ton of money on NFTs before 2021 is very few. Um, So it's just such an incredible ride and I'm, I'm glad to be a part of it. But like, I mean, April, you could buy an eight for 250 bucks. Today the floor is 200K. Like these growth potential and opportunities are just amazing. And you know, is the space getting a little, you know, overtaken with just a ton of projects every day? 100%. But you know, I think that's where, uh, you know, the right projects are still out there. It's just picking where you put your money.
0: It's funny that you say that because like literally, (laughs) Dutch was here in the studio, and uh, he was talking about the exact same thing. And he says, Hey, you know, and I, I got apes for for, for three hundred dollars, and I'm always saying that because he said it publicly. I wouldn't I wouldn't dox something he told me privately, right. and I looked right at him, right one poker ex poker player to another, and I said, "Hey, I'll give you six hundred dollars for that. That's a good double up." And he looked at me <laughs> and he goes, "That is a good double up, right?" <laughs> yeah, but but I'm not interested in double ups anymore. I'm not interested in thousand ups, right? And that's that's the that's fun. So let's let's talk about your your current project. What are the Genesis? So you actually. Uh, so Dutch Dutch is like uh, for me he's my new Neo all right in the Matrix. I mean I really am, I'm going to I'm going to try and suck up as much of his counsel as you I mean, possibly mean Morpheus. No, Neo cuz he still knows kung fu. Um, anyhow, he just he just knows so much and he said that he actually gave you some picks on some some drops. And you actually bought him and he did it. And that really went well for you. But he says he's, he's, he's got love for you anyhow. Can you talk about that? Yeah. So
2: we have a great relationship. I've known Dutch for, you know, 15 plus years. And I kind of got him into Top Shot. and You know, we made some money there. And then, Did you teach him how this, to play poker too? Uh, no. Other way around, if anything, on that. Uh, but, uh, yeah, he, I mean, as you can see from last week's podcast, he's just a brilliant guy. So I've always tried to surround myself with people that are smarter than me. So he was an easy one to do that with. Uh, but yeah, he's hes the kind of guy where if he has conviction in something, he's put in the research and I'm going to believe it and I'm going to trust him. In this space, are you ever going to be 100% right? Absolutely. And he'll be the first to say, do your own research. But we've both been uber successful in this space. And one thing I'll say in our Mech Arcade Discord, I think it's one of the greatest things we're doing right now. We're really trying to bring new people to this space that haven't gotten into crypto and NFTs. So we actually post alpha calls on there. Um, you know, Hold on, sir. Stop, to- stop,
0: stop. So talk to our audience about what an alpha call is. Explain that and how they can be part of that.
2: Yeah. So an alpha call is basically where we tell our community what projects, we like and why, and give them the details on when that drop's gonna be and how to successfully maneuver it, especially in gas wars and some of the stuff that, you know, probably that doesn't even make sense to most people that may be listening today. But it's a whole game to mint an NFT launch. And we're trying to educate our community and people in it on you know what we like, why we like it, what we did the research about and then give them the details for them to make their own decision on if they think it's a good investment play for them. Um, we've done really well and had some great calls and had just a ton of feedback in our Discord to where they've already paid for being able to mint ours. And that's kind of what we're trying to do is grow a community project where we provide that value. And then after the launch, you know, on top of getting this amazing 3D and inter- interoperable art, you get that gated alpha access as well to get two you know super successful traders in this space and be able to pick their mind and ask them questions which to me is actually the value of our 0.08 just to have the token and get that can make you a ton of money as it is but everything else on top of it is just kind of gravy in, in my opinion
0: hey travis put up his social so let's let's tell our audience remember we've got some of us uh, the majority on spotify and uh apple not just on youtube so tell them how they can find you and how they can be part of this alpha call.
2: Yeah, uh, Twitter at sd from the Lou. Um Our Discord is uh, called Mac Arcade. To go, to go to our Discord, um, you can type in any web browser Discord.gg slash Mac Arcade. That'll let you join it. Um, then you just need to pick a faction. It's a cool game we have, and kind of have everybody in the community um joining a faction and playing some games inside our discord. But by joining a faction, it gives you access to a channel on our discord, which is called alpha calls, where we um you know give our picks, give that information, and then in our general chat, we you know we love to just chat about the community, answer questions and and help them along the way okay
0: so those those of you guys listening, even though he said it clearly. It's S-D, right? Sierra Delta from the Lou. That's L-O-U, right? And it's uh, Mech Arcade, right? Yeah. M-E-C-H. Yes. Arcade.
2: And, and all those links are going to be on my Twitter. I mean, we're MechArcade.com. Um, you know, everything's Mech Arcade, so it's hard not to find us. Um, but, you know, the Discord's where our main community is and where we're providing that value. And we've already had a few home runs to where, um, you know, one of my suggestions a week ago was, uh, you know, 0.08 mint and got to over a one floor within a couple of days. So, you know, we have had a few home run calls already and, you know, actually have a few coming out in the weeks to come. So, you know, I think that's, that value is just insane because, once again, the blockchain's public, you know, we're... As dox as you can get in this industry, um, with who we are, so you can see and, and check and see our history of you know just the smashing success we've had in it. It's been life changing. You know, I have a wife and two young kids that I'm the sole, pro- you know, I, I provide for because my wife has the hardest job of them all. Indeed, um, taking care of my two Indeed. kids under three um, and giving me the ability to spend so much time on what I love. Um, but yeah, I mean it's it's afforded me to to be able to take this risk and you know be able to go full speed and to you know build in this neon dreams brand and Mac Arcade is you know our first project.
0: So about that. So I'm gonna ask you, I'm just gonna put a topic and you you can do a number one being the lowest and ten being you're an expert of what you know. Okay. <clears throat> Bitcoin. Three. Okay. NFTs. Nine. Okay. Putting ads up in urinals. (laughs) 10. Recruiting.
2: I'd say 10.
0: Okay. Um, Hex. Two. Pulse chain.
2: Three.
0: Okay. All right. So um, what advice would you actually give to listeners, as far as entering the crypto space in any type of capacity, on a very macro scale.
2: So, the whole crypto NFT space to me is one of the most um, friendly communities out there. So, I tell everyone to immerse themselves into it. Um, get on, you know, Twitter. Um, follow some of the influencers. Um, I think most of us in the space realize to continue the growth of not just crypto but NFTs as well. Is to get new people involved and to get them to understand it and the value that it provides. So to me, that's 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 really what it's all about: is immersing yourself into it. Um, there's YouTube videos out there. You know, obviously, you always do your own research and don't trust just trust blindly an influencer. But there's enough information out in the space to where if you dive in and put in the time, you can learn everything about anything, and it's just really it's something I I I think I has helped me just succeed in life in general. Is if anybody can take anything from this and kind of my big thing is trust your instincts. Like when you are in anything, whether it's uh, interview or you know accepting a job offer or looking at a project to mint, like that's what you have to do. You trust your instincts, and first impressions are typically right. Um, so that's that's how I trade, and that's. That's how I, I pick projects I trust my instincts am I wrong a lot of course but if you have more home runs than strikeouts it's pretty easy to be somewhat successful in this
0: space yeah you don't need, you could actually even have more strikeouts than home runs right because it's, okay. it's so asymmetric in the returns so I want to just comment on one thing because you said that the uh, crypto community and that that's pretty much everybody blockchain nft you know cryptocurrency whatever that is they're such a nice community and I've got a theory on why that is. <clears throat> Because, you know, most competitive things, like these are our trade secrets, this is the way we do business, this is the Coca-Cola secret sauce, this is the way Jack in the Box makes their special secret sauce, then we protect that, there's not enough, we don't have the budget. And all, how many times did you recruit when they said, you know, when you lost a deal over 2000 bucks, right? It's like the guy wanted 127 and they wanted to pay 125 or whatever it is. It's like I, I had that happen at Disney. It's like we don't have the money. You made $6 billion in profit. I assure you, you have the money, right? But but crypto is is the first thing I've ever seen that, that, that it enters the consciousness and it enters somebody's wallet. And then usually it becomes abundance. It manifests abundance. And there's enough for me. I mean, I, I, I can't tell you how often I, I go and I just give people $5 worth of Bitcoin just because. Just because, just to get you started. Right. And I, I learned that from Mike Smith. Remember how mm-hmm. Mike Smith was doing that? I said, yeah. well, you know, because we were at BitBlock Boom and he's just giving everybody, he, he's talking about people like in the Deddies. Hey, download this wallet right now, I'll give you five bucks. And, and that's the proliferation it takes. It's because from, from what he started with, for what it is right now, there's a lot of five bucks to give. But anyhow, Stephen Dolly, I can't thank you enough for being on our show.
2: It was a pleasure. It was a it was fun time, and I appreciate you having me as well. And uh, love what you guys are doing with this podcast. And uh, you know, obviously, blockchain recruiters coming from a, a recruiter to see somebody in this space, and one of the first reasons I kind of reached out to you all in the first place, and to speak on one of your events prior about you know jobs and and how it's changing. I mean. Kudos for getting into this, because honestly, if I didn't get into NFTs of this, it's probably where I would have ended up as well as trying to work for you guys and 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 recruit jobs. You know, recruiting is a sales job, but you gotta sell stuff you love. No, 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 okay.
0: no. No, it's not. It's not. I, 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 no, no, no. It's not. It's not. I I no, it's not. I I I disagree as well. I, yeah, yeah. No, but no, no, no. but it depends what you how you define sales, if you ask me. So so let me let me explain that to you. Okay. All right. It's like if I, let's pretend you and I were like college roommates, right? And your wife is not in the picture. And I say, hey, there's a girl I want you to meet. What would you say to me?
1: What does she look like?
0: <laughs> what does she look like? But we're college buddies. You trust me.
1: Wait, you, you, this you, is college, though. We, right. we cared
0: about that stuff Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. Right. So, so, it's not okay. like we're in Afghanistan where it's binary, you know? <laughs> yes or no. I bet you under that burka. She looks good. But anyhow... So you see her, and one of two things are going to happen. Either you're going to say, she looks better than I imagined, or I'm going to kill that guy when I come back. But if you've decided that like there's no, no chemistry there, and I'm going to say, hey, I want you to date her again, can I make you? Probably not. And if you just thought she was the most beautiful thing, right, but I didn't want you to see her anymore, could I stop you? Probably not. So when it comes to a job, right, job... There, there's, there's a, If I was to call you on the telephone and say, hi, my name is David James, and uh, I don't know how you're going with your wife and your girlfriend right now, but I got a great guy who would be a good wife or a good girlfriend, you'd be offended. It's like, you don't know me. You don't know me like that. How dare you, right? But you could be gainfully employed. A company next, I say, hey, my name is David James. I don't know where you are in your career, but I have a position that I'm looking for, and I thought you'd be a good fit. What are your thoughts? Well, I'm not interested. What's the pain? Let me close my door. Right. And then all of a sudden. So I personally believe that as a recruiter, you just you find the candidates that have the pain and the hiring authority comes to pain. And just like the college roommate analogy, mingle.
2: And when I say sales, I think I think I think of it in a little bit of a different way. Um, You know, I think I think I'm thinking of it from this job market to where.
0: Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. There's not. Yeah. Yeah. There's not enough people who, who need to work. Exactly
2: exactly so it's not an empl- employer's job market right now it's an employee's so as an employer you have to sell your company and yourself to get the top down okay. that's where i come from with that okay because I, this job market's insane right okay
0: now. i don't like being made wrong so travis edit this part out
1: <laughs> so, <laughs> all right good
0: <laughs> hey, hey thank you so much and so i just got to give a shout out to travis and uh, sticky Paw studios our producers come on there man.
2: you go sorry he was muted thank you thank you so much Oh, you want me to put the that's, this that, thing? that's your cue.
0: You got one job here. <laughs> that's you your cue, dude. <laughs> you got one Come job. Come on, here. man. Do we're it to, again. We're trying to sell for you. Do it again. No, player. I won't do it again. No, <laughs> <laughs> no. You're lost. <laughs> All right. right. <laughs> and yeah, we are not paying the studio for this episode. I'm gonna, <laughs> no, there's going to be a strongly no. worded letter to the owner.
1: No, and, this this one's already included in the uh, discount. <laughs> we yeah, are the in discount. <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah. Well, I'm looking for the discount on the discount. Dave Hampton, Robo Recruiter, my uh, my. Compadre, thank you so much for joining me again.
1: Eternally grateful.
0: And I'm uh David James, the Job Whisperer. And remember, everybody, can't whisper. <laughs>